me in the dirt and call me sandy here we are it is the geek out loud podcast i'm steve glosson i just messed up the line it's supposed to come when all this stuff starts to ramp back up i'm just that rusty geek out loud to Geek Out Loud, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com, where nothing, absolutely nothing is happening. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things you have to say and have had to say it now for, I don't know, somebody once told me 14 years or so on and off. Uh, we've been doing the Geek Out Loud, and we are happy, happy, happy to be here with you after several months back in May over at the Guardians of the Goldiverse Facebook group, which you can get to by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. I posted, hey, thinking about doing a Geek Out Loud soon, what have you guys been geeking out about? And there were like 47 comments underneath. And um, ultimately, I took it down as an announcement because, well, as you see, um, dragging around, dragging on around, and uh, and taking forever to uh, to to get anything done, but here we are once again together. We're live right now at Mixler.com/slash Goliverse, and so I thank everyone who's there in the Mixler Zoo crew with us. Everybody from Realtor Angie, our old friend Texas Cow Patty seventy two, Maui Mark, Lisa Cipher, Mark Hamall, Shane in Grand Rapids, Matt Lane, and Chris Hansford, and then plus three elsewhere. Don't know who you anonymous people are, but we're glad to have you along with us here on the Geek Out Loud podcast. Now, I am talking in super spectacular broadcast voice going really fast because maybe I'm a little excited to be doing Geek Out Loud again. Maybe maybe the juices have been flowing. Maybe there's been a lot to talk about. And here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and put this out there right now um, with everything that uh, has come out in the past, you know, I don't know, five or six days. Um, there's some stuff that happened that I'm not very happy about. 
But as is our custom here on the Geek Out Loud, we focus on what we enjoy and we just kind of ignore um, what we're not enjoying so much. So having said that, um, that got me thinking. I'm one, I was just, you know, I, y'all know if you listen to the Big Honkin' Show that every now and again you get a little angry Steve going. And angry Steve is usually angry about silly stuff like, you know, why can't McDonald's just do the McRib year-round? We all know it's a marketing ploy. It's not that good. Um, obviously, you have extra McRibs just laying in a freezer somewhere. Um, and and so that's why you just do it. Um, maybe, you know, you know people, people kind of tend to enjoy those kind of riffs like that. So I don't know if people would actually enjoy legitimate um, critiquing by me. Here's, here's, here's the thing. I was thinking about doing, um, doing a, doing a Patreon exclusive where I basically almost call it the anti-goal where I'm not positive. I'm not super happy. I'm like, look, they, I, I, they, I go full, I go full scorched earth. They ruined my childhood kind of attitude. Now, obviously with me, for some of it, tongue would be firmly planted in cheek, but also to to look. This is supposed to be a, a format where I kind of get out my face. Used to my frustrations were that everyone was so negative, everyone was so negative about everything, and I was tired of the negativity. Now my frustration is like you've got you've got unbridled negativity on one end, unbridled positivity on the other end, and there's no middle ground where people are actually saying sensible things. And when something does come along that I'm genuinely disappointed in, genuinely upset about, um, I'm just like, well, you know, I I don't want to bring this negativity to the show. So I thought about doing the anti-geek out loud, anti-goal over on Patreon, where I take, you know, 20 minutes to talk about the things that are really, I see trouble coming. Where, where I just, you know, really get to it. And I'm like, listen, everybody sit down. You're going to hear what I have to say about this now. And I don't get off into all the, you know, Kevin Smith lied, He-Man died stuff. I get into, you know, why does this bother me so bad? What was, why was my reaction to this so visceral? And I did have a visceral negative reaction to Masters of the Universe. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I, I surely did. And I don't mean to get into that right now, but I'm, you know, but just to have the red kryptonite Steve. Exactly. It would be red kryptonite Steve. Just my inhibitions gone over on Patreon, you know, lowest tier because it'd be like the least entertaining part of everything. Um, You know, just spoiling for a fight like ACDC sings here. So anyhow, that's just kind of the thought because I was genuinely, I, I, you know, I was sitting there and I watched all five episodes of part one and, and bless my poor wife's heart. Um, you know, she, she had to watch me just be irritated to no end about what went down and, and what happened with, uh, with, with the masters of the universe. So, and I know there are people who enjoyed it and that sort of thing. So, you know, and, and I know, and look, and right there it is, John Phillips. I'm trying to keep an open mind with the Motu. I understand. I, I want to, but man, mm, anyways, I'm just not even going to get into it right here. That's not what this is going to be about. That's not what's going to be going on. 
I hope so, Mark. I hope that's the case. I see it in the. I see your. I see you. I see you in the chat, and uh, and I see that comment, and and I hope so. That's the case, but who knows? Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, and and the slime thus fell. Uh, <clears throat> if if that's the case, Mark, then. That's what, and that's another thing. I'm trying to kind of hold off on going public with all of my irritation, even though I did on Twitter the other day, until that part two comes along, because it could end up being a really amazing thing. So I'm just, uh, I'm just over here, the little boy inside of me, who used to come home, walk home from school, and um, and sit down, and and watch Masters of the Universe just had his little heart broken um last over the weekend so that's that's neither here nor there that's not where we want to go look i want to before we get off too far off the rails here i want to say thank you to everyone who supports us by using the amazon links and i know you're still using them and i really appreciate that even when there's not a new geek out loud you still head over to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com or bighonkinshow.com and use those amazon links to to do your Amazon um, uh, uh, shopping and that sort of thing, and I really, I really do appreciate that. And to those of you who support us, still support us directly via the Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. I can't, I can't even begin to say thank you. And for everyone who's ever supported us over on the Patreon, we thank you uh, for your support and and appreciate you so much. And uh, we've got some new, some newer uh, supporters that have come in over the past, even just the past few days and, and weeks, as we've gotten some lost episodes of the Big Honkin Show out there, and um, and we have uh, uh, right now up at the Watch Movies with Steve level is Civil War with myself and Scott Rifen joins in, and uh, we've got uh, that means Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming is next. And, uh, and I've got a surprise for everyone um, that hopefully we'll be sitting down next week sometime and recording with a, with a special guest uh, to watch a movie with us that's not in the MCU. Um, you'll hear more about that as it happens over at the Patreon. We're hoping everything works out to do so. Um, so, so, yeah, we, we thank everyone who's joined us over there. Jason Bogue uh, jumped in on Patreon. I think he's been there before, but he's come back to us, and we, we greatly appreciate him um for helping us out over on the patreon jason hasn't been assigned a superpower yet like uh like jason hunt was assigned a uh a, 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 a superpower jason hunt is a master of disguise he doesn't need that mission impossible mask maker voice changer junk like Clayface, only better looking and a much better personality if you're doing crime with a partner you better be sure it's not jason because he doesn't much like crime and you may have just been hunted Jason Hunter, uh, or Jason Hunt, rather, <laughs> the Hunter. Uh, he we he's our featured Patreon supporter over at the Goliverse Wall of Fame at geekoutonline.com. Uh, we thank him and we thank Jason Bogue for his support. We thank you all for supporting us at Patreon. If you're in a position to do so, we invite you to do so over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud, and we appreciate so, so very much your support of the Goliverse as we continue to discover what this thing is actually going to be. And one of the things that this show has always been about since the early, early days has been you guys, you, the listeners, 
who have been such great listeners throughout the years, and I appreciate every single one of you. And uh, one of the things that happened early on when we began to look to feedback and emails and that sort of thing is a lot of times your emails would begin to steer the show. And so I was asking for emails and asking for emails. You responded. You sent them. And guess what I didn't do? Record a show. But guess what I'm doing now? Recording a show. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to jump into the mailbag. Here we go. Uh, always glad to um, to do a special plug for listeners. Anytime, listen, I made my bread and butter doing shameless plugs back in the day. And so I never begrudge anyone for shamelessly plugging their podcast or their book or whatever they've got to plug in the Guardians of the Goldverse group at facebook.com or at uh, geekoutonline.com slash group. Uh, plug it, send me an email to plug it, and we'll try to make sure it gets read on the show. You know, however we can help you plug your stuff, I am happy, happy, happy to do so. So this comes from Greg Sorber, who says, longtime listener and Patreon supporter Greg Sorber here. I wanted to say thank you for the hours of entertainment you've provided over the years. Look forward to each and every episode. There's something about, he goes on to talk about me. We'll skip over that. Love your crossovers with the guys from RFR. Those are like very special episodes and what can I say? I love the theme song. Sometimes I re-listen to the start of the episodes just to hear that over and over. I'm a big fan of the Battle of the Planets theme song, which I believe is by the same person who did the Super Friends theme song. Maybe. I, I don't know. Now, that's a piece of trivia that I'm not sure of. The Battle of the Planets theme song is one that I don't really give enough love to because it wasn't as um, prominent in my life as, uh, as, as you know the Super Friends were back in the day. Planets. Had to be. Had to be the same person. Or the same company, at least. G-Force. Five incredible young people with superpowers. And watching over them from Center Neptune, Seven Zark Seven. Watching, warning against surprise attack by alien galaxies from beyond space. Tell you what, that intro reminds me a lot of old Hanna Barbera intros, as well as obviously Super Friends was Hanna Barbera, but this does it reminds me of a lot of the old Hanna Barbera stuff from like the '60s and early '70s, where um, where it was just kind of like a lot of that orchestral, almost jazzy kind of music that did sound a lot like uh, the. Um, the, the Super Friends theme. So you're right. You're dead on there, Greg. Let's find out if anyone in the chat has that information. Chris Hansford says, Battle of the Planets is my childhood show. Um, that's right. There you go. That's what you got. That's all I got there. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Hansford. Uh, anyhow, currently, he says, I've been geeking out over the Bad Batch. The Mandalorian 
WandaVision, The Falcon and Winter Soldier on D+, and I'm looking forward to Loki series in June. See, this was written way back in May. I've also been watching Invincible on Amazon. I found the story compelling, but I wonder if we've hit peak violence in superhero shows yet. I hope so. I started Shadow and Bone on Netflix, and so far I'm digging it in terms of anime. I really enjoy My Hero Academia, Attack on Titan, Assassination Classroom, and Blazers on Funimation. My kids are getting older now, 15, 18, so the range of what we can watch together is expanding, which is interesting to say the least. I, you know what? I've not, I've heard because of some of the toy um, collecting shows I watch on the YouTube. Um, I, I've heard of My Hero Academia. I've heard of Attack on Titan, but I'm not familiar with them. I haven't watched them. I just don't have the time to watch a lot of things. Like, you know, it, it's the same thing that always happens. It's like, it, it's what happened with Doctor Who years ago. Like, I'd never watched Doctor Who. I had a couple people on to talk about it. A lot of people kept emailing about it, and eventually I got into it and watched it and, and really enjoyed a few seasons there. Um, and uh, and so this stuff may end up being the same thing. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I know that a lot of you, I've not watched a second of The Bad Batch. Um, not mad about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not dogging on it. I've heard good things, but I've just not not taken the time to watch any of it because they kind of, I, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of those characters in the clone wars in those final episodes of the clone wars. And so I didn't really care to watch an, a series about them. And then, you know, I know what Omega is and, and I think that's a ridiculous premise. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of that. Ridiculous is probably the wrong word. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of Lucasfilm these days. And so they've kind of, you know, they've just stung me a little too much lately. And so I've just kind of holding them off at arm's length too. Again, not trying to be negative. I've heard nothing but good stuff about the, uh, about the Bad Batch. And so I've heard great things, but I just haven't watched it. The Mandalorian, we've talked season two. Um, You know, I, I love, I love the videos, the reaction videos, especially the ones where people, mashed up all the reactions to the season two finale. And, you know, there was a great tremor in the force, a great disturbance in the force that if millions of fans suddenly cried out, it's Luke. Because those two words were uttered by everybody at the end of that second season. And and it was just one of those magical, the Mandalorian was one of those magical bring us all back together moments, you know, from from the end of that first episode of the first season with with baby Yoda right down to the end of the second season as you know the shadowed the 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 cloaked figure comes through doing doing what he was doing taking out those uh those the, those those dark troopers and everything and then ultimately pulls the hood back to reveal who we knew it was all along from the moment we saw that green saber snap and we saw the gloved hand we knew that was Luke. WandaVision was actually one of the more interesting uh, things that that Marvel has done in a while. I, you know, I love everything about the first three phases of Marvel for the most part. I don't. I, I feel like their missteps were just missteps that were made, um, trying to stretch a little too much in one way or the other way sometimes. But I, you know, and and I, there are things that I don't like about Endgame. I'm not a fan. Of uh, of the lack of Hulk in Endgame. Well, Steve, he was all over there. Professor Hulk was amazing. We didn't get to see him do anything cool. He snapped his fingers, you know. 
and we were supposed to just be kind of impressed, I guess, that he was there. Um, I, I'm glad for the Hulk to have intelligent conversation. I'm glad for the Hulk to be smart. We needed we needed him doing something pretty awesome in that final battle. But anyhow, I, but I don't complain about it. That's the weakest point to me. For the most part, you know I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that there's nothing to me that they've done to fully let me down so far. And WandaVision was um was really really a a great original idea um to not only delve into the mind of Wanda but to tell a story you know because they kept you guessing and what was so interesting is how many people at the outset were like I don't know that I'm into this I don't know that I really want to do this I don't know that I'm a- you know, I wasn't a fan of these old black and white shows, so there's no, it doesn't really hit that nostalgia thing for me. But I, I would never claim to have been a big fan of those old black and white shows either. I was familiar with them from like Nick at Night back in the day, but I wasn't like, oh, this is my jam. Even some of the 90s stuff that they were doing, I never was into and, and couldn't really speak to. I was, you know, the 80s kind of scratched the itch that I knew of nostalgia there. But other than that, you know, there wasn't anything that I was like super nostalgic for. I just thought it was neat. And I thought that the slow unraveling of everything and then showing us what was actually going on outside the dome and, uh, and all and starting to put all those pieces together and, and bringing every, everyone together, I just thought it was, it was a really cool, cool way to tell a story. The final episode, and I'll, I'll tell you that the final episode has the same problem that the final episode of Loki has for me. Um, all of the reveals had taken place. All of the big stuff had happened. And so it was it was that final battle in a superhero movie. And I think people were expecting a little bit more. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. I love a final battle. And I love the, the, the creation of the runes on the walls and everything that she did. The emotion of having to basically tell her kids goodbye because, you know, they're nothing but kind of created uh, figments of her imagination in some ways. Vision versus Vision was just absolutely awesome. I thought that, you know, bringing in the white Vision into the Marvel Cinematic Universe is exactly, it's exactly what happened in the comics. Vision was destroyed, and when he was rebuilt, he was colorless, and he was also emotionless. Like, he had lost the part of him that had been in love with Wanda that knew. And so, and he talks about remembering that, but not feeling that anymore. There are times where it's just, and it's weird and sad, but I really liked what WandaVision did. Falcon and Winter Soldier was good. I think that, I think they were trying to do a little too much and it ended up being not enough um, in, in that story arc because, you know, you had the, you had the, the, the terrorist group, that was really a peace organization or whatever they called themselves. You know, they were a terrorist group and you had the whole new captain America and you had his whole story play out, which was fine. Um, but then on the underside of that, you had what they were really trying to do was make you think and, and, and be political is the wrong word. It wasn't to me, it wasn't negatively political. It was just, the story with the with the Captain America from the Korean War and you know he was basically imprisoned and and then he got out and and everyone thinks he's dead and all that stuff you know Isaiah I think was his name um 
you know, I, I don't know that that hit as hard as they wanted it to hit or even as it needed to hit, but I loved it when he came back around at the end and he saw Sam as Captain America. I don't think that I have the problem with Sam being Captain America that some people do because in the to me it makes sense because that comic book for so long was Captain America and the Falcon. They were, you know, they were a duo. They were a tag team. They were the team up that was constant all the time. Captain America and Falcon. And so for Falcon to take the mantle of Captain America makes a ton of sense to me and I'm absolutely okay with it. There were some great action moments that first episode where he is uh where he's where where they call on him to go help uh basically get the person from Batroc, the kidnapped soldier or whatever, and he does and like that whole aerial battle was just amazing. The the fight stuff at the end in the in the final episode was amazing. But it all felt like by the time you get in that last episode and he shows up as Captain America, it felt rushed. It it, it felt like there was there, the reveal felt a little awkward. It just felt rushed, you know, ultimately because they were trying to get to that moment and, and it, and it, and it just, it felt, it felt really rushed, but I appreciated, you know, kind of the, the arc of he's going to do what he can do to truly represent and be, I, I look, I, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. It wasn't of the TV series we've seen from the Marvel cinematic universe so far. I think it's been the weakest. And then Loki. We'll talk about Loki in a minute. Anyhow, um, he goes on to say, this is Greg again. Back to the email. See, this is what emails do. They open the door to have these discussions. During the pandemic, I took the opportunity to transition from being a content consumer to being a content creator. I wrote two books and two novellas. I'm releasing my first book on May 25th, The Real Star Wars Day. That's right. It's in the space opera genre, and it's about a group of sentient robots who are trying to live in peace after a long war. But fate has other ideas. It's a cross between Transformers and Braveheart, but you'll find Star Wars and other geeky references and Easter eggs sprinkled throughout. The book is called Pax Machina, uh, and it's the first book of the Mechhaven series. Folks can find more information on my website, www.greg Greg Duration, instead of Generation, Greg Duration. Uh, or gregorationx.com. So gregorationx.com. So instead of putting Gen before Generation X, put gregorationx and .com, and then you can see how you can get his uh, book Pax Machina, Mechhaven One, and um, and get on board. It's available at Amazon. So go help out, out a fellow. Um, a fellow Goliverse listener and supporter, gregorationx.com. So he says HTTP. I don't know. It just, look, I just put, I, I put a link there in the chat. It just gregorationx.com. Who even does www anymore? I was just reading verbatim. I, I am, I sometimes pull a Ron Burgundy and I read exactly what's on the teleprompter. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Jimmy Tucker. Listen, he's also, Jimmy has also written a book. I don't have that information before me right now. Jimmy in Georgia. I don't know if he's in the chat with us or not, but I think he put some stuff up in the Goliverse group. So if anyone wants to find that and throw some links up, uh, he says, Steve, here are a few short thoughts about recent geeky things. WandaVision. This is a fun show. 
I really enjoyed it for the most part. Like some, I was disappointed in the end, but it was not because of the show itself, but because of the rampant speculation about what might happen and who might appear. That is one thing that has really, you know, kind of undercut some of these shows, particularly WandaVision and maybe later Loki. Not so much Loki, I think, because everyone was right. But when they brought out, um, you know what we should do? We should just do a watch through of WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. That's what we should do. Um, that's exa- I think that's what we should do. So, all right, everyone fire up your Disney Plus. We'll begin with WandaVision Episode 1, and we will go through to the end of Loki tonight. We're just going to do that right now in this episode. Kidding, but we should. A lot of people were were saying that Mephisto was going to be involved. I'm glad he wasn't. I I feel like that gets a little too into the other worldly realms and everything right now. I don't think we're quite ready for that. Um, The other thing is, is when the the other Quicksilver showed up, and I can't think of his name right now, um, but the actor who played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, when he shows up, and and he is well he's basically quicksilver he's wanda's brother i think everybody thought given the nature of the fox merger the fox buyout by disney i think everyone thought this is it this is where these universes are going to collide this is where evan peters when he shows up i really think everyone thought this is where these universes are going to collide and we're going to now introduce mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universes. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, to me, it was really, um, that I think some people were let down because it wasn't, but I, I do think it was good. Daniel Andy says, I'm tired of flashbacks and non-ending. It's like watching an addict get clean and relapse. Eventually I don't care anymore. Well, here's the thing. Superhero, the superhero genre, comic books, have to perpetually be in Act 2. After the origin story, Act 1, everything else is Act 2. And it's constantly, constantly, constantly Act 2. Because if you get to Act 3, you get Endgame. And Endgame is really a perfect way to kind of end uh, a series like that. You know, with Spider-Man Far From Home being a nice epilogue. Um, but, but now we continue on, and so we've got to stay in Act 2 of a lot of these characters. Um a lot of these characters' stories. And so Wanda is one of those. But she is evolving. She's growing. She's learning new things. And so we were discovering more about her origin through that. And then ultimately, there was an end, I think. I think there was a good ending to that where she had to come to grips with her grief. And there's some loose ends that are out there that need to be tied up that hopefully will be tied up down the road. And, uh, and yeah, so anyhow, Snyder Cut. Now, this is something we haven't really... I think Kristen and I talked a little bit about this on the show, and I wanted to have her on to talk big time about Snyder Cut. I don't know if we ever did that. Did we ever do that? Who knows? Um, but when... But anyhow, the Snyder Cut, he says... I'll go on and read his... I thought this was great. I thought the story was much better. We watched it in four sessions. I like watching it like a television series. I would not want to watch it all at once. My only real criticism was some of the songs that were selected seemed very odd for a superhero movie. Um, yeah. Look, the Snyder Cut, I've watched one time. I thought that it was nice that he was able to expand the story the way he did. Um, I, I don't think I understand the choice of the black Superman costume. 
and not ever putting on the red and blue. I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, that that you know it, it, I don't know I I don't think that some of the song choices were very good. I thought I thought the song choices that Zack Snyder picked were really odd, and I would have cho- would have liked different music. Doesn't have to be rock and roll. Doesn't have to be Guardians of the Galaxy. But just you know, not so weird. But also. The ending, the very ending with the dream sequence and everything just before Martian Manhunter shows up, it felt shoehorned in. Uh, you know, and I don't want to live in a world where the only way someone knows how to write Superman is to turn him evil. I don't like that. I don't I don't buy it. I think that it is it's been done a few times and that's all it needs to be done. I think that when people feel like you've got to write Superman in as the villain and, and he goes crazy and, and, and all this stuff like the Injustice video game storyline and everything. I just think that, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like it. That's not my Superman. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Superman is better than that. And, and I think that we live in such cynical times now that it takes a special writer who's able to tap into the hope that Superman really provides and brings in the context of his stories to be able to write Superman correctly. And I think that anyone who wants to jump to Superman's gone evil, Superman's turned bad because Lois died, or Superman's turned bad because of this, then you don't really understand the fullness of the goodness of Superman. There's a great story. It involved Manchester Black, in the comic books, and it's called, um, uh, it was called Ending Battle, I believe, and in it, Manchester Black kills Lois Lane, or so it appears. He makes Superman think that he's killed Lois Lane, and there's a whole comic, there's a whole issue where, um, where, where Superman basically is killing Manchester Black, like he is going nuts on Manchester Black and, and getting his vengeance, but then it cuts to what's really going on. Superman was going through that in his mind. He was making the, and he makes the choice not to do that. It, it, for some people, they say, oh, that's a fake ending. That's a fake. But then it cuts back and Superman's like, no, that's not how she'd want me to be. I'm not going to kill you for this. I'm going to take you down the right way. And Manchester Black is shocked. He's like, you're the real deal. And so he breaks the illusion. Lois is alive. And, and so everything that Manchester Black had been trying to get Superman to be, Superman refused to be. And, and, and that's, so when we look at the Snyder cut and it seems to be all pointed in the direction of this, you know, Superman's going evil. I, that's the one thing I don't like about what's going on there. I don't mean coming back from the dead and being disoriented and fighting the superheroes. That's fine. I think that's something that has to happen, but that was the basis for Superman versus the Elite, John Phillips in the in the DC animated stuff, but I've, I I haven't watched that, so I don't know how closely they they got that down, um, to be honest with you. But anyhow, as far as the Snyder Cut goes, we've talked about that. I enjoyed it. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that he. Um, I think that Zack Snyder has a great way of, of filming. I think that he can make things look really beautiful and, and really compelling and stunning. I, I just think that the Snyder cut itself of the Justice League was kind of 
I don't know. I don't, when did we decide that DC superheroes have to be the pretentious adult DC superheroes? You know, I don't, I don't know. But anyhow, um, so Daniel Lena says, I think Zack Snyder has a great story to tell. He just needs to stop using other people's characters to do it. You could stick Chester Cheetah, Tony the Tiger, and The Count as Wonder Woman in the Snyder Cut as a better film. <laughs> Listen, anytime you put food mascots into something, it makes it better. Uh, Jimmy goes on to say, The Falcon and Winter Soldiers was amazing for the most part. The action has been movie level. Exactly. A lot of callbacks to the cat movies, which is nice. Looking forward to the finale. And that's from Jimmy in Georgia, who does have a book out. I don't know. I think someone put a link to it in the chat, but I'm not sure. I need to go back down and see if we can find it because I'd like to be able to tell you. Yeah, Mark Hamill got it for us. Mark Hamill um, pulled it out for us. It is Silas Serling and the Lucas County Curse, um, the debut novel from the mind of J. Allen Tucker. It's the Silas Serling Chronicles book one. You can get it for Kindle Unlimited or you can buy the paperback version for $14.99 right now at Amazon. Uh, we'll put a link up to that. Let me make a note of that. I'll put a link up to that um, over at geekoutpodcast.com. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can. it's there. If you don't have Kindle Unlimited, you just want to buy it for Kindle, uh, $6.99 uh, for the Kindle price. So uh, head, head over to, to Amazon and help Jimmy out uh, with, uh, with Silas Sterling and the Lucas County Curse. Um, the fall of 1993, life seems boring in Lucas County, Georgia. Pop culture, art, and a beautiful classmate are the only things that 16-year-old Silas Sterling finds interesting. In one week, Silas's life will be radically transformed. Visions of the past and tragedies in the present will send him down a new path. He'll become obsessed with a dark mystery that's been hidden in Lucasville for so, for, for so over a century. Silas will be tested as he faces challenges of confronting the past and changing the present. Is he ready to face the Lucas County curse? So that is that is Jimmy Tucker, our, our good friend, uh, Jimmy in Georgia, has written that. So please check his out, and as well as Greg's book at gregorationx.com. So back to the emails here um, from our good friend Vivian. She says, I doubt you remember me, but I met you after you and James Arnold Taylor spoke at a church service at Star Wars Celebration. One of the best times of my life before I got married, Vivian, was that moment in time. My son, not the, the whole service and everything was great. My son was only a little guy then. He's 14 now. We got into 3D printing three years ago and now have three different 3D printers. Just listen to your 3D printing episode. That was our collector's uh, spotlight on Robert Bergeron, Silent Bob, uh, who does some amazing work um, with the 3D printing. He said, my son and I, Vivian says, my son and I got into designing and printing small Star Wars ships we try to find a good Bible verse to put on the bottom of each one. During lockdown, we sent out a bunch of care packages. And uh, and so thank you so much, Vivian. I, she asked for my address to send some, and you know what? I never did send her my address to get some. They look great. Um, this was, uh, this is, this, she, she shows off some of the pictures of things um, that they've done together. There's lightsabers with uh, with scripture references in, into you know lightsaber hilts that are like pencil holders. It looks like really cool stuff that they've done, and some ships, as she says, that are really really neat. Uh, wow, they got a snow speeder, um, and wow, is that a sand, first true first order transport? I need to send you my address, Vivian. <laughs> I'm a loser for having not done so yet. So. Um, 
so yeah, some cool people, people doing some cool stuff with some 3D printing. One such person is our very own Mark Hamall. Uh, Mark has been uh, doing some 3D printing for his Etsy shop. All the small things. Check it out. Um, all the small things uh, over at Etsy. And he's got a bunch of, of cool stuff uh, going on at Etsy. And I know there's some stuff I'm not supposed to talk about. So I will go and see exactly what's in the shop that I can tell you about from our good friend Mark Hamill. All the small things. All the small things is his Etsy. Mark, I'm gonna need a, I'm gonna need a link to that in the chat, please, sir. I, I could not Google it and find it. So, <laughs> so anyhow, um, so yeah, it, check out Mark Hamall, all the small things over at um, over at Etsy because I can't tell you what he's got. Where do I find where I've been to your shop before, Mark? I know I've been there. This is really killing me now. This is I. Here we go. I've run slap dab into. Um, why don't I have your deal listed, man? Mark's over here. Like, don't forget about three hundred Legends of the Guardians. There it is. There. Thank you, Mark. Oh, that was really stressed out there. Okay, etsy.com slash shop slash all the small things art. Etsy.com slash shop slash all the small things art. Excuse me really quick while I get a dog's attention. Zari, Zari, stop snoring. Zari, Zari, stop snoring. Zari, 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 Zari. Stop snoring. All right. Got a snoring dog up in here. Dead air. I know, and you know I'm deathly afraid of dead air. So here's what he's got. He's got some Harry Potter house crafts for sale, floating displays for Funko Pop figures in the box, 3D wand stands, uh, 3D printed uh, wand stands for your Harry Potter wands. He put He's developed a mount for a boxed Master of the Universe Origins Castle Grayskull. He's got Master of the Universe figure stands um, that look great, a dice tower, simple dice tower, um, Mario question blocks that hold switch games. So some cool things over at all the small things art. So check him out. Etsy.com slash shop slash all the small things art. Just plugging people. Listen, we're just going to call this episode, the episode of plugs and everyone's going to be surprised when it's not me plugging my own stuff. Uh, Dave Valdez says today's the day I send you an email after listening to your podcast for over 10 years. Now look, Get ready because I'm about to I'm about to geek out a little bit. All right. Um this is this is one of my this is one of the favorite things that's that has happened. Here's the there's several favorite things that have happened to me on this show. Um one favorite thing that happened to me on this show was when I think it was Steve in 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 Michigan, um and his buddy saw a stranger saw a stranger um, with a Geek Out Loud shirt on in their town. That's pretty cool, right? Um, then another cool thing that happened one time is we got someone on a date. Um, 
now granted that's relationship didn't pan out that's fine that happens you know what young love it's fine um so these a couple of favorite things well here is another one of uh my favorite things that has happened and i'm also going to um to plug this person's instagram so get ready today's the day I send you an email after listening to your podcast for over 10 years. There's been a plethora of occasions when I felt a serious itch to reach out to you to thank you for what you do. But my brain says he's got plenty of people saying that. Or sometimes wanting to weigh in on something and geek them. And my poor self-esteem says, why would he care what I think? But you finally pushed me over their edge. My whole life, I've been a hardcore geek for Star Wars superheroes and all kinds of pop culture. But growing up, my close friends never embraced it the way I did. So I never really let my geek flag fly. Way back in 2008 or so, my good friend Paul demanded that I listen to your podcast. I met Paul in college in 2000. He was my first friend who was a diehard Star Wars fan, so I followed up on his recommendation. Your mission to give people a safe place to geek out was exactly what I needed. I was just as tired of the negativity as you were. Talking about geeky stuff doesn't require bashing it. What a concept. Over time, you walked me to a place where I could let my geek flag fly and enjoy it all the more. My gold testimony could go on much longer, but I'll just say I very much appreciate your perspective on movies and comics over the years. I'm so glad you're getting back to doing more shows as of late. I was listening yesterday when I heard you talking about Instagram accounts and mentioned father's figures. I did have a bit of a double take and then went into a falsetto. What? That's what pushed me over the edge. We had a few interactions on Instagram, but I never thought I was actually on your radar. Without Geek Out Loud, it's quite possible I've never started Father's Figures. You gave me confidence and geekiness, so here's me finally sending you a truckload of gratitude for all you do and just for being you. If you ever want to talk toys, photos, or posing or crafting, just give me a shout. P.S. I was so glad to hear you love the new Kong vs. Godzilla movie. I was raised on those old monster movies in addition to Star Wars, and the new MonsterVerse has been so dang fun. Thanks again, and that's from David. Listen, let me tell you something. Here is what you need to understand. I have been following on Instagram father's figures for uh, since I got on Instagram, basically. He was one of the first and for the longest time only uh, toy photographers that I followed because I didn't quite understand that world. And, and he is, and this dude is amazing. David is amazing on Instagram. Father's figures, all one word. He runs the gamut from Star Wars to video games. One of my favorite things he's done in recent months, um, back in, well, in recent months, in recent, really, yeah, last month, about this time last month, he, oh, he's got Phantom. He's got the NECA Phantom figure on, on a horse, and I forget who made the horse, but he is, he's, it looks as though the horse is in motion Phantom's reaching out to like save this little blue creature that's jumping to him. Blue creature suspended in the air. There's dust kicked up and everything. It is just absolutely amazing. This is a this is a professional photographer doing photography with uh, action figures that looks just it's stunning. It is absolutely stunning. He's I get on here and I'm like, hey, look at this fun thing. I put a background on a on a on an action figure and I and I think I'm cool now. You know, this dude is telling stories. This dude is lighting and editing and gosh, there's a picture of like the fallen silver surfer sitting on his board out in the middle of space. It's just it's one of my favorite things um, that I've seen that that anyone's done with that particular surfer. It just 
and it and like you forget for a minute when you're looking at some of his stuff that these are action figures until you just stop and look closer and say, okay, well, there's this joint and there's that, you know, there's that, there's that hinge and that sort of thing. But even then, gosh, it's just I can't put over father's figures enough, and it absolutely thrilled my heart and soul to know that he's been. I mean, 2008 is basically the beginning of Geek Out Loud. I mean, it's not that far off. And so to know that he's been around since the beginning, please, please, please follow Father's Figures on Instagram if you're not. It is absolutely, um, he, he does, he does amazing work over there and I can't, I can't put him over enough. And I was so excited when I got his email and, and found out he was listening to me. So that's just one of my favorite things that's happened in, in, in podcasting. So anyhow, going on. Oh, Swinimer. John Swinimer. We know him from our DVT days. Hi, Steve. Because you asked for an email, here's something to ponder. Here's a question about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Was this TV series created for us viewers to go through the same therapy process as Bucky and Sam in dealing with the loss of Steve as Captain America? Is the therapist actually talking to us as we get over no more Steve Rogers as Captain America? And was showing the introduction and demise of John Walker as the new Captain America another method of therapy, too. I enjoy the show, but I was mad as heck seeing John Walker on screen. I feel bad for Wyatt Russell, the actor who's actually who's going to be ostracized by geeks like me. I hope he gets a much better, more enjoyable role in the future to redeem himself and distance himself from this role. That's my two cents. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Swinner, uh, True North County Comics. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and plug this too. I don't know it this is in his signature. And so I was about to say I don't know if you know the comics very well or not. Um True North County Comics. Uh I, I guess this is him promoting Canadian Comics podcast. Is this it? Is this I don't know. He's got a he's got a true anyway, listen, I can't I can't get sucked into this. True North County Comics. Um <laughs> TrueNorthCountyComics.com. Let's see if that's an actual website or not. Let's see. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I do want to talk about this, so give me just a moment. Yeah, this is a podcast. True North County Comics podcast, promoting Canadian comic book creators and supporters. So apparently Swinimer's a part of that. Swinimer. Let's see what we can find. Yeah, publisher and editor-in-chief, John Swinimer. Well, way to go, John. Look at you. John, come on, man. Why have you not reached out? I'm so glad you had something to plug in your... Um, and if you've told me about this before, I'm sorry for not having plugged it until now. But I'm going to tell you, John, plug away. TrueNorthCountyComics.com. Check them out. And uh, especially if you're in the Canadian area which would be, I guess, the whole country <laughs> of Canada. <laughs> you know, that area, you know, the Canadian area. So the thing about, and you know this, the thing about Wyatt Russell, who played uh, John Walker, the, the U.S. agent. Now, I, and, I, and, and to me, because I was not, I, I didn't really read the, the Captain America when, without a country kind of thing when he kind of dropped the dropped the title for a while back in the day when John Walker comes in and takes over. And then, you know, but I did know him as U.S. agent more than anything. You know, Cap did the whole, did Cap do the Nomad thing or whatever he did? But anyhow, 
I didn't read that originally, and but I always knew John Walker as U.S. agent in the black costume with the red and white stripes and stuff. And the thing is, I think the whole idea is, yes, we are not supposed to like him as Captain America in the same way that you didn't in the comics. Like, you know, he was not very likable as Captain America in the comics. And, he, you know, he had to go through his own arc and his own stuff, but he's always been kind of a... Uh, not a tweener necessarily, but he hasn't been the, uh, the, the, um, you know, he hasn't been the best boy, you know, in the world. So I, I think it's great that you're mad seeing John Walker on screen because I'll tell you what it did when, when Sam finally took up the mantle of Captain America, it meant a little more. It made it, it made it that much more special because of course we saw Cap give him the shield and he says there at the end of uh, Endgame, it feels like it belongs to someone else. And Cap told him it doesn't. The only way, you know what they, I'll tell you, I, I, look, Cap's not dead. That's the thing. Like that, I think if I had, if I had anything to go back here with Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's that Captain America's not dead. Obviously, he doesn't want to be in the thick of stuff anymore, and that's fine. But the minute Captain America sees John Walker, take up his mantle and not Sam. I think that's the moment when, when he, when Steve should have reached out to Sam and been like, this was for you. I believe in you, you know? And, and I think, I think that the absence of Steve being that one positive voice for Sam in the midst of everything else Sam was dealing with, I think that could have been good. Now I know for a certain crowd that's going to raise all kinds of questions, you know, all kinds of complaints about, well, you know, of course it takes this man to tell you this man, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the guy who carried the mantle of Captain America, who went into the ice, who, who laid down his life, the guy who stood there and faced down the hordes of Thanos, the very armies of Thanos alone with a broken shield, who was ready to absolutely die to his last breath. That guy has something to say to the man to whom he gave that shield. And I think that that's missing from that series. And if we would have had a, a, a moment, a conversation with Sam and Cap, with Sam and the original Cap, where Sam could find that place in him to go and, and, and take that shield, had it been Captain America, had it been Steve Rogers who delivered the suit to Sam, you know, before that final episode, I think it could have been... I don't know. I, I think that would have just kicked it up the, the extra notch or two it needed. But anyhow, um, so yeah, thanks, Swinner. That's a good thought, though. Maybe it was for all of us supposed to be some therapy. I don't know. Um, I don't know how, how that feels. So um, Joseph Molinero, let me, let me plug Rule the Galaxy podcast. I've been on a few episodes been they've been kind enough to have me on their show. They do an audio podcast as well as a YouTube show. Check out Rule the Galaxy. It's a Star Wars show, and I have fun uh, derailing to those, uh, derailing those guys, and and talking to him. And Joe is just a great guy and a fun guy. Um, to Captain Crunch delivers it instead. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel and Indy. I'm so glad you're here listening. Obviously, I'm glad everyone's here, but Daniel and Andy brings that special, like, old school, uh, you know, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, <laughs> Big Hulk and Show Five to the thing. Um, so, Joe chimes in, and he was talking about the Eternals and stuff, and we've had a lot of conversations about, um, about a few things, and... 
Um, and so I just want to say, check out his podcast, Rule the Galaxy. Um, he he does a great job. They they have such a good time, and I I enjoy going on uh, Joe's show over there. So Keith uh, chimes in, and he says he's geeking out about NFTs. Now this is one of those things I just don't understand. And he says this is not something you need to read during a show. Done. Um, <laughs> here's the thing from Joe. I hope plenty of your great listeners send you an email for you to react with on your show. There are so many ways that I geek out. He says, one, I've connected with some great friends and hosting our own podcast, Rule the Galaxy. I've bonded with my wife over Star Wars and now Marvel. She visits flea markets, antique malls, and garage sales with me when we can to look for anything related to Star Wars or Marvel. She has watched all the Star Wars movies with me. and We also finished the MCU, WandaVision. Now we're watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I keep brainstorming ideas to creep me on. Me on. I, keep, I keep brainstorming ideas to create me on characters, comics, and movies. I know it'll never happen, but it sure is fun. Why would it never happen, Joe? Listen, I've just talked to you about two guys, Gregoration X, our good friend Greg Sorber, who's written his own books, Pax Machina, now available to Amazon, and, of course, Jimmy and Georgia, Silas Sterling and the Lucas County Curse. Uh, so check those out. And, and dude, do your own, man. I, you can do it. Last but not least, I listen to other podcasts and watch other live streams and YouTube videos of people making make geeking out fun. It does until it doesn't. And and that's one of the things that I think has crept into fandom that is unfortunate. And I don't know how necessary it is, really. I, on, some, on some levels, I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary that there, is, that there are well-thought-out voices who are pushing back against some of the content that's coming out that people like myself are disappointed in because what happens is is when people like myself are disappointed in some content we get labeled a certain way and and we get labeled that way by sometimes the actual create creators it's not just the fans of that person and the work sometimes the actual creators will will come out and and begin to um insult or say things against you know fans who have legitimate critiques and criticisms of, of, of the work that they that they've consumed and paid money to watch and that sort of thing. And and all that gets said is, well, you're an S, you're an ism. And I do think there needs to be some voices out there who say, no, here's why I have an issue with this. Here's why this to me, as a fan of this thing, as a fan of this property for 40 years, 30 years, this is why this doesn't work. Um and 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 not but I also think that the minute you see a strong female character or a, a female lead put out there or or whatever the case may be, I, I think that the, the dumbest thing to do is immediately start attacking it, like give it a chance, see what's going on. The Ghostbusters trailer that was released today looks awesome. I mean, it really does. That is a good-looking trailer, the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer uh, that dropped today. Um, they're saying it's the final trailer, but I don't... I mean, surely it's not, but anyhow... Um, this is, let's see, let me see if I can pull this up here. You're a great mom. I don't know. I'm fine with Trevor, but with Phoebe, she really keeps me on the outside. That's normal. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. Maybe a new home could be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. She's pulling out a. She 
fix the puzzle on the floor and pull out a ghost trap. We're completely broke. And our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly There's Annie Potts. The I think it's great. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. And then he opened up the cover and there's the... Uh, it's the only one that had an engine. And it's the old Ghostbusters car. Jason Reitman directing. What is happening here? Somehow, the town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. <laughs> There's nothing like a creepy kid looking at you saying that. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of oh. the night? You experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic. Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Oh my god. You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city. It's like the walking dead. I love the traps on like a little remote control uh, car thing. Oh. We're closed. That was um that that was Dan Aykroyd. I thought it was Bill Murray when I first heard it today, but it just hearing it just then it's definitely Dan Aykroyd. Look, here's the thing. The um this comes out today. It looks great. It looks fun. It looks like Gozer's back. You know, you got tiny little marshmallow men, Paul Rudd, you got these kids finding this Ghostbusters stuff. There were some toy reveals today and everything, which are kind of exciting to think about the possibilities with those. Um, Annie Potts talking about, you know, like you find out just through her saying your father talking to this, the woman who, you know, is her daughter. You, you realize they, they, that they did get together in the end. That was her and, and Egon, you know, instead of her and Rick Moranis apparently, but regardless, it doesn't matter. The point is this, or maybe her and Rick Moranis did get together and she's just telling her about Egon. I don't know who knows, but here's my, I go back to my original point about fandom. So what happens online when this drops? Everyone begins to relitigate the Ghostbusters from several years back. Look, that movie was fine. There, there was it wasn't a bad movie. Um, it wasn't as funny as it should have been. Every single one of those ladies that that played in that movie were funnier than that movie was, and and that movie deserved to be funnier because those ladies were all hilarious people they're very funny and so when i look at that movie i'm not looking and saying oh my gosh they tried to make all the ghostbusters girls i liked kind of the throwbacks and i like the uh the cameos and i like you know chris hemsworth and his role um but i'm telling you Kristen wig melissa mccarthy um the other two whose names i can't remember off the top of my head those are they're all super duper funny people and that movie should have been a lot funnier so what happens now is you have people going back and saying, well, all you people are just evil forever not liking that movie. No, they're not. You know, that, and, and so you end up with these two extreme ends. This is what I was saying earlier. 
these two extreme ends of fandom just going at it and never really vocalizing like, let me just say something halfway intelligent about my critique of things. I think those ladies are funnier than what that movie was. And I think that movie needed to be touched up and brushed up a little bit to be a touch funnier than it was uh, and a little smarter than it was. I think the promise of Gozer at the end or like in the end credits or whatever on like on the phone or whatever, I think that was a very neat thing. And I hate that we're not going to get to try to explore further with that cast. I think that was a great cast. I think it's one of the strongest casts we've had in an ensemble movie like that. The movie just fell flat. And then when people decide they didn't like it or they were disappointed that we weren't getting a proper Ghostbusters 3, um, they got attacked for it, you know, and they were called all the names in the book. And so what happens is you do have a small contingent of people that act a fool. And it just ruins it for everybody. And then the creators start going at it and everything. But my point is this. (sighs) I forget my point. Anyway, (laughs) Justin Clark says... You asked what I was geeking about, and boy, have I been geeking out. I've been geeking out about the Snyder Cut. I was very hesitant when I heard that it was coming. I have some big issues with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Most of it comes down to characterization. Those things have been talked to death, so I won't get into them. I love Justice League. I love that most of the characters got an upgrade. I love that fights got a chance to breathe. I love that when you do watch it with Man of Steel and BVS, you give an overarching story, and I personally wouldn't mind seeing another chapter in. That said, I don't like evil Superman either. I will shout out Steppenwolf. I thought he was great and loved how he got to shine in his adorable Furby eyes. His fight with Superman was awesome. I would have liked to see Superman in the red and blue. Sure. Would I have loved to hear him say, I like truth and I'm a big fan of justice? Heck, yes, I would. That said, I don't mind the not impressed line because Superman I most connect with is the one from the animated series and the Justice League series. That version has a bit of an edge. That's true. So I'm kind of, especially when Darkseid's concerned. The, the, The final episodes of the Superman animated series was when he was actually mind controlled by dark side and Superman. When we meet him again in justice league, whenever dark side actually shows up, he is much edgier because Superman despises what dark side did to him. And he don't play when it comes to dark side. So anyhow, um, this leads me to one of the other things that I'm geeking out about the justice league and justice league unlimited animated series. Oh, well look what happened there. When getting ready for the Snyder Cut, I decided to revisit one of my favorite shows. I always thrill to the adventures of those heroes and the story that Superman gets, especially in Unlimited. The Cadmus arc, to me, is one of the best storylines ever. And Unlimited introduced me to one of my favorite heroes, Green Lantern. I mean, Booster Gold. Fans of the show will get that joke. I'm also geeking out over the MCU. When WandaVision started, I was so excited the drought was over, we could get back to some great stories. Vision is my favorite character in the MCU in a whole series based around him and Scarlet Witch. I ate it up. I loved it from the minute it started. Drunk Vision is one of the best moments in the MCU. It's true. That was a good moment when he's with the chewing gum. The end was amazing with Wanda using Agatha's trick against her and coming into her powers and embracing the Scarlet Witch as a persona. The costume is fantastic. I can't wait to see her in Doctor Strange 2. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm really enjoying. I too would love to see Steve Rogers come back, but the mantle is Sam's now, and I can't wait to see what he does as Captain America. His moment in Episode 4... When he was talking to Carly, really showed why he was the right person to take up the mantle. Indeed. I can't wait to have the Marvel Legends of all these MCU characters. I know that for you, the Marvel Legends line is more about the comic stuff, but I really came into Marvel with the MCU, and I'm loving what Hasbro putting out. I will say this, that when it comes to their choices for figures, Hasbro 
really is doing a good job when it comes to the MCU stuff. They, you know, keep in mind that a lot of times because it takes so long to produce a new figure, they are told very early on, well, here's this, here's this, here's this. They're given a few concept pieces to look at and they have to go on that. So the selection ends up being kind of weird. With these things, they had some extra time, it seems like. And and so, yeah, that line of MCU figures from Wanda and WandaVision and, and Falcon and Winter Soldier was a good line of MCU figures. So, um, so I, yeah, yeah, if you like the MCU, I don't really buy pick up the MCU figures, but you're right. They do. They're doing some good work there. I about lost it when Hasbro unveiled the final battle Thor from Endgame. That one almost got me. At the Hasbro Pulse events, they just said, I'll be curious your thoughts on the event. Did anything get you fired up? I'll wrap out with one more geek out. I'm geeking out on old episodes of Gold. Small background, I've been on a mental health journey over the last year. I'm trying to have positive influences be more prevalent. Did you get it? Did anything get you? Oh, I'm sorry. Prevalent in my life. When it comes to stuff like that's a tall order, you know, I want to take this opportunity. How much I appreciate how positive you are, how you share the love of all this stuff, how infectious your life is. Thank you. How you share your faith with all your fans. Pause for seats. They listen. They are listeners, not fans. I'm not a religious man, but I would say I'm a spiritual one. So thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Justin, for sharing that with me. I agree with you on the on the MCU figures. I think that they do a great job. As far as Hasbro Pulse events, anything getting me fired up? Um, well, HasLab has done it to me uh, again. Hasbro announced the other day. Now, this was, of course, a Hasbro Pulse event from a couple of months back. They've since done a few fans first days with the Marvel Legends stuff, but um, HasLab now is doing a big 32-inch tall Galactus. They need 14,000 backers. They've got about a month, a little over a month left to go. They're at 9,120 backers right now. This thing looks amazing. And I am in the process of praying and thinking about it. <laughs> so, um they did a tease, I think, at that particular event where they showed like a new Johnny Storm. And I'm really excited about a new Fantastic Four. I know we just got one like in 2019, but I don't like the black costume with the blue trim. I like the blue costumes with the with the navy trim, which is the old, old Fantastic Four, or the more navy blue with the white trim. Uh, you know, it's kind of my, is really kind of my jam from, from back in the 80s into the 90s, um, into the early mid-90s. Uh, but, and I'm going to say this and, and I am absolutely hundred percent alone in this idea and in this desire. And so I want everyone to understand that in fantastic four issue number three, 10, they were fighting a villain. Oh, I can't remember the villain's name, but. The thing, and the villain, like, he, um, he, he sent himself through television waves and stuff. And, and so the thing, and at the time, a lady calling herself Miss Marvel, uh, took, who was a member of the Fantastic Four because the thing was in charge at the time. Reed and Sue had left to go raise their son, Franklin. They left Thing in charge. Johnny was there. Crystal of the Inhumans was with them. And then this particular person, Miss Marvel, that Thing had met on the wrestling circuit was um, <clears throat> what was there. So, um, anyways, they go up into space. Spice, 
with this with this villain. Oh, I can't remember what his name was. Someone help me out if you got it. And um, and anyhow, they go through cosmic rays. Well, that's what turns into the Fantastic Four in the first place. They crash land. They get rid of the villain. They crash land. And when they get out, the thing has been mutated into a more rocky-skinned thing. He's very, very rocky now and kind of spiky rocky all over the place. And Miss Marvel, Sherry was her name, had been turned into um, a thing herself. And so that version of the thing, I think by and large, most people do not like. But if you, and this is me just speculating, they showed that Johnny Storm because there's like a Fantastic Four anniversary this year or whatever. But if, if, if you want to see me get excited and just be like, start throwing money down. If they make even a Build-A-Figure version of that thing, of that version of Ben Grimm the thing, I'm there. I am so there for that. Uh, that's that's really where I'm at. I absolutely excited. So tomorrow at the time of this recording, they're having a fan first Wednesday and, um, and, and they're going to be talking about some Marvel legend stuff that's coming down the pipe. They'll probably do They always do a lot of recapping up front. So they'll probably recap the, the Galactus thing and all, but, um, and talk about some of the retro stuff that they're doing on the retro Spider-Man cards and everything. So anyway, uh, yeah, there, there's that. So how long have we been going to this point? Cause this is been going about an hour with our emails here. And that's the last one. Well, wait a minute. We got to get Matthew Marks in here. <clears throat> he says, I heard you mention the chosen on the latest goal episode. I absolutely love that show. It's funny because you described it exactly the way I do to others. I know faith-based entertainment is usually low quality and cheesy, but this show is fantastic. Sometimes people might describe a film as pretty good for a Christian movie, but The Chosen is just wonderful. I absolutely agree, Matthew. No qualifiers. My wife and I watched the season two premiere on Easter Sunday. It looks like we're in for another amazing season. I've not watched any of season two yet. I wanted to be able to binge it, to be honest with you. I've really been enjoying sharing my geekdom with my kids. I get to read to them Lord of the Rings before bed most nights. The oldest son, Tim, is seven. He's the only one who really listens, but all of them are always super excited about it. My youngest asks if I can read Gandalf, and my middle child always does a double take when he hears me going to the Gollum boys. Tim has been going through the Clone Wars and Rebels. He really got in the Clone Wars. I saw him tearing up when Ahsoka walked away from the Jedi Temple, and he was sniffing when Fives died in Rex's arms. Mm. So I can't wait to see his reaction when we get in the last moments of the season uh, one finale. Talking about Rebels. And finally, my good friend and Tim's godfather sent us a Dungeons & Dragons starter for Christmas. I started DMing a campaign for Tim and my wife who were playing as, dragon, as a dragonborn paladin and a tiefling sorcerer, respectively. But then my wife's morning sickness got pretty bad, so we had to put out that campaign on hold. But then about a month ago, my friend started DMing a campaign for Tim and me over Skype. I'm playing as a high elf fighter, and Tim is playing as a dragonborn sorcerer. I guess he really likes dragonborns. I got to tell you something. I understood names, Skype. I understood Christmas. That's about all I got out of that last paragraph. <laughs> I've also been rewatching Smallville. Any chance Shu could return to discuss seasons two through five? I don't know. You know, Derek is doing stuff with the Superman and Lois show, and he's got a whole Smallville retrospective that they've been working on That's I think debuts in October. Um, so I, I don't know that he has time to do anything with me. We've kind of talked about it here and there doing something. Uh, but we just, we haven't really nailed any time down to do anything. So 
fingers crossed. Keep praying about that, everyone. How about that? So anyway, guys, uh, that's our, that's your email. That's that's where we're at. Oh, really quickly, one final one from Lisa Cipher. Um, she says, on the one-year anniversary, I listened to the June 6, 2020 episode of The Big Honkin' Show include, featuring Fred the Adrenaline Junkie Turtle. There was also a segment on things that are not good ideas at the beach, which was to be which was good to be reminded of as I'm planning a beach trip in July. There was also a statement of the effect of no end in sight <laughs> of Big Honkin' Show on WGIG, but I digress. Well, there you go. Yeah, there was an end in sight that I didn't see coming, but it got there. Um, so there you go. Uh, she's listening back to the Forceology episodes, so that's wonderful. And l- recently re-listened the episode with Michael Mercy. And, uh, so, um, and she talks about the He-Man trailer. I doubt he'll be as fearlessly sincere as we discussed, but we'll see. Yeah, it's unfortunate, Lisa. I, you know, I, I, like I say, I, I think that needs to be a Patreon exclusive and, and we'll, We'll talk about that. We'd love to hear from all of you at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Um, over on the Goldverse group, under the under the comments, uh, a lot of the same. Disney Plus and Marvel series, that's from James Otis Hall. Superman and Lois, he mentions. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's see, Star Wars and MCU. Uh, Disney Plus, Invincible on Prime. I haven't watched Invincible yet. I read a few issues of that comic back then. It wasn't bad. Um, Babylon 5, says Justin Wiseman. No idea. Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal uh, and MCU shows. Can't wait for Loki. Man, we've got to talk Loki. Uh, Tad says, Star Wars is a deeply meaningful thing to me and will always be my number one. Um, He says, uh, I get more enjoyment overall from the MCU right now. Um, but Filoni being involved with Star Wars is, is a bright spot. Uh, let's see. The MCU, Casey says, is Eclipse Star Wars is my number one passion, but I think it's mainly because there's so much more content currently. Uh, Lynn Rich says, my household is Star Wars followed by Harry Potter. Ted Adam Green, Bronze Age era DC and Marvel, the comics, creators, and action figures. Yeah, I, you know what? I've got a stack of comics here, and I'm not really sure what is the Bronze Age of comics because I think the Silver Age is when the Marvel stuff really started coming out, and the Bronze Age was a little bit after that, 1970 to 1984. Yeah, there's some good stuff, 1970, 1984. I'm looking right now at, let's see... No, I don't really have much Bronze Age stuff in front of me right here that I'm that I'm toying around with. But gosh, yeah, that was a good time. I love the art. I love the consistency of so much art back then. I think you're you may be right in the midst of the burn era of the Fantastic Four at that time, or getting you know getting close to it. Um, good stuff going on there. Spider Man, I think is that's when Gwen Stacy died there in the seventies, and it's just yeah a lot of. A lot of cool stuff happening during that time up into the early 80s. And and then when you hit the 80s, a lot changed. There was a lot of big changes that came to comics. And then Steve Bennett comes in. I'm sorry, hold on real quick. Both Star Wars and MCU are good. This is Dave Taylor. Uh, a good standby is really Doug Invincible and the boys when they were on. I've also been geeking out on the Rick Riordan books, Percy Jackson, the Kane Chronicles, Magnus Chase, and the Apollo series. I don't understand many of those words, Dave Taylor. Uh, Steve Bennett, this is this is what I love about Team Steve, Steve Bennett. Time Team. 
a British show on Prime where each episode, archaeologists have just three days to excavate a location. Half the time it rains. <laughs> I just, I just love that, like, of all the things he picks, he picks a British show called Time Team. It looks like it's like a reality show about archaeology. I haven't checked it out yet, but I've got to, uh, I got to check it out. Jennifer chimes in on this thing. I'm a Time Team nerd. I have it almost, I have it on almost all the time. I'm completely addicted. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check it out. So, um, interesting fact here. Of course, Steve Bennett was the, what was the, was the brains and the brawn behind the Stranger Things tour back in, gee whiz, 2016, 2017, when, uh, when he, myself, and Shaz Bazaar went all over North Georgia to the Th- Stranger Things filming locations. Stranger Things season four right now filming in downtown, right outside downtown Rome, Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Really exciting. Black Widow had some stuff filmed in Rome, Georgia. We'll talk about that when we talk about Black Widow at some point. Uh, Sarah Woloski says, WandaVision is my current passion, and I so love talking about the series each week on Zoom with both Skywalking Through Neverland and Fangirls Going Road. The speculation was intense and super fun, and when the series finale rolled around, I loved it mostly and have since watched the whole series through again. Man, what a great storytelling, music, and characters. Scarlet Witch is my new favorite char- MCU character. Uh, in parentheses until the next Captain Marvel film comes out. Jeff Brown says, G.I. Joe, my all-time favorite. Then comes Lego Star Wars. Man, G.I. Joe. Has anyone seen Snake Eyes? When does that come out? Has that come out? Where's my chat people at? Where's the chat? Where's the chat at? After the bronze is the Iron Age. Thank you, Maui Mark. What's after bronze? Pewter or aluminum? Ooh, a good. Is there Mark Hamill says there's a good documentary about Chris Claremont's X Men run on Prime. I'm gonna have to check that out. What's it called? Anyway, uh, good night. So many people had commented on this. Uh, Jess Becker says Lord of the Rings, but currently loving Marvel a bit more. Troy Westfall, Back to the Future, Infinite Crisis, Superman, Lost, but just started Invincible and Jupiter's Legacy. Douglas said he was enjoying the Mighty Ducks Game Changer on Disney Plus with his kids. Uh, Falil Mericoni says Lord of the Rings from music, film, classical, pop, rock, Star Wars, Chuck, The Flash. Jennifer says I'm into books more than TV and movies. Currently reading Rhythm of War and enjoying the series. Brian Boshan says Alf, Transformers, The Wars, The Muppets, G.I. Joe, The A-Team. Gosh, like I can stop and talk about every single one of those. I love it so much. Uh, uh, Eli Edgar Dazarn says... Star Wars, Star Trek, <clears throat> I don't know why you put that in there, and the MCU. Douglas Klarman, for the love, speak about what you would like to see in a Grogu and Luke Skywalker adventure. I'd just love to see a Grogu and Luke Skywalker adventure. How about that? How about all of these people that were after Grogu realizes Luke has him now, and they go after after, after Grogu? Like, what about a series, a, a season of that, huh? How about that? Why not? Uh, Jorge says Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Transformers, Dragon Ball Z, Tolkien's Middle Earth. Dragon Ball Z, that's one of those things. That's one of those things I never got into. And it was huge for a while there back in the 90s and early 2000s with a certain age group of people because I don't know where it was airing that people just totally got into it. But they did, and I just never did. And and so, and I can't. Like, I just can't. Like, I, I, I look at it, and I'm like, maybe I'll try and know... And I'm not against it, and I don't think it's, you know, I mean, I mean, look, I can't tell you if it's good or not because I've not watched it. But I'm just not 
just not there for me. I just can't do that. Stuffity says, still Star Wars for me. It's still Star Wars for me. Still the Star Wars for me. Uh, Matt Bell says, Master of the Universe and Star Wars. This is from 10 weeks ago. So this is obviously, he was checking out some mo some old school Motu back then. Uh, Matthew Marks, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Bad Batch, MCU, and Dungeons and Dragons. Dave Jones threw up pictures of Caravan of Courage and the Ewoks battle for Endor. <laughs> Adam Bray just threw out Land of the Lost. Gosh. Look, if you say Land of the Lost, I've got to play the song, Land of the Lost intro song, man. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. What is that banjo? Come on. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. Met the greatest earthquake ever known. High on the mountains. This is terrible graphics, and I love it so much. Sid and Marty Croft present Land of the Lost. Lost, lost, lost. What a weird show this turned out to be, man. Like, this was just, I mean, like, Sid and Marty Croft, everything they did just had this edge of, uh, this weird edge to it that was so spectacularly strange. Uh, he says, it was sort of fringe thing. I love that I was, all, this is Adam Bray, I was always chasing as a kid, never fully catching. It had no regular time slot. It was just on at random time, so I would only ever find it accidentally, often midway through an episode. If I could actually see an entire episode, let alone two episodes back to back, it was so incredibly exciting. As such, it took me a long time to figure out what it was all about. But I knew any scenario where people were rafting into a lost work, a lost world with dinosaurs and reptile aliens was the coolest thing ever. That and G.I. Joe and Transformers and Star Wars. Jamie Hood says, I had to really boil it down to one series in any medium, X-Men comic books going back to the 70s. Sorry, original Star Wars trilogy. You get to be running up. Jamie, I am currently going through on the uh, Marvel's uh, Ultimate app, Ultimate Marvel app, the um, stuff from the 60s and everything. And I'll just kind of like, so right now, I think I'm in March of 1966. So still really early in. Um, X-Men has just gone to monthly. Uh, they, I guess they were every other month for a while, and they've just had this huge battle with Magneto. And it's really interesting to see um, what Stan Lee and, and them were doing early on with the X-Men and just the fact that they were born with powers makes them you know, a little bit different from everyone. And to see Magneto and, and Xavier, the way that they are kind of pitted against one another... And how even then their their take on things were different. Magneto was we're meant to rule, and Charles is we're meant to live in harmony. And you know, and and there and thus the battle goes from there. It's really interesting. Um, what Land of the Lost is on NBC Universal, on the app, on the app they're on there on the on the. Okay, look, I can't do that. Um, so anyway, um. So yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing that and I'm looking forward to kind of get, because I was never into the X-Men. In fact, in the nineties, I had X-Men fatigue because everybody loved the X-Men. And I'm just like, I'm over here, like, give me my Fantastic Four and my Incredible Hulk and maybe some Spider-Man. Um, and so, you know, kind of going through now and, and getting into it is, is kind of interesting. 
Um, Brian the White says, too many to choose to pick from to pick just one, so I'm going to say Nintendo. Nintendo as a brand. So many rich characters and fun experiences have been had and will be had. Man, we should do a Nintendo episode. Mario, Link, uh, Samus. Dude, I could talk Kid Icarus all day long. Um, the, uh, the, 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 oh my gosh. Rygar was one of my favorite games on, on the old Nintendo, um, back in the day. And, um, what was the other one I was thinking of before I lost my, oh, uh, Castlevania, Simon on Castlevania. Like there's so much good stuff to talk about with Nintendo. Not just, not just the, not just a game here or there, but these characters, Mega Man. I mean, come on. Yeah. We need to do that sometime. Uh, Jason Chipman says, movies are Star Wars. TV show is Smallville. For comics, I have to defer to my wife and say her favorite character is Nightwing. Cody Murphy, in order of importance, Star Wars, Superman, MCU, Doctor Who, Power Rangers. Go, go. Power Rangers are having a big resurgence because of the toys that they're doing right now. It's interesting to kind of see 90s nostalgia start to creep in, you know, and 80s is kind of waving goodbye in some ways. Um you know, it really is kind of like, okay, here comes all, and I'm noticing that on some of the things I'm watching and some of the people I'm seeing. 90s nostalgia is starting to creep in, and it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know, because at some point you're going to hit a moment in time where everything that we love about nostalgia um, is, is, is came back around and became the... Um, the became the current of stuff of the day. And so are we going to get nostalgic about nostalgia things? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, he says six transformers. I want this to be higher, but the Bay films haven't over, haven't been overcome yet. Look, the Bay films are glorious in their absurdity and I love them and I will never apologize for that. And finally, Chris Yon says the prisoner, 1967 twin peaks, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Hellboy Comics, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Korra TV. I haven't watched all of Korra yet, but I loved Avatar, The Last Airbender a lot. The the cartoon series, absolutely enjoyed that. Batman, the animated series from the 90s, can't go wrong with that. Samurai Jack, Stranger Things, The Venture Brothers, which was fun. Johnny Quest from the 1960s, original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, and Cowboy Bebop. I I do have an affinity for those old 60s cartoons, uh, you know, because they're just so... Honestly, some of them were like He-Man before He-Man. You know, 1960s Hanna-Barbera stuff, especially. I think it was Hanna-Barbera who was doing like Johnny Quest and Samson and Goliath. Um, There was um, 1960s Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Let's see what we can... If I just Google this, let's see what happens here. Obviously, you've got some some stuff like... uh, Where is this at? Huckleberry Hound and Quick Draw McGraw, of course, Flintstones and Yogi Bear, um, all those fun ones that, you know, Magilla Gorilla, the Jetsons, but then you got Johnny Quest, Sinbad Jr. and his magical belt. I vaguely remember seeing that in some reruns. Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossible, Space Ghost, Space Ghost, um, and and Dino Boy, uh, gosh, Birdman and the Galaxy Trio. Who was the Galaxy Trio? Was that the um that one the Herculoids, was it? No, I don't remember who the Galaxy Trio was. Um the Herculoids, Shazam, not to be confused with Shazam. This is where look, 
everybody. I know people want to believe in the um I know people want to believe in the Mandela effect, but this is where people get Kazam confused and think that so and so was in this thing, Sinbad was in this thing called Shazam because this was about a, a genie and everything and it was in the sixties, but it was always on in circulation at some point, you know. There was the Fantastic Four cartoon, nineteen sixty seven through seventy, and it was you know, it wasn't as weird as you may think it would have been. Uh, Moby Dick and Mighty Mitor. <laughs> I mean, this was stuff like, this was literally He-Man before He-Man. This was like, let's just let our imagination run wild and throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. The aforementioned Samson and Goliath, you know, and then you're getting into the late 60s and, and now into the 70s. The Adventures of Gulliver, um... Let's see. The Wacky Races, of course, was awesome. That was some fun stuff. And as we get into 1970 proper, you do get your stuff back. You go back to, like, um, your Harlem Globetrotters cartoon that was based on the on the, on the the basketball team, Josie and the Pussycats, the Pebbles and Bam Bam show, which was, you know, the, the successor to the Flintstones, um, the Hair Bear Bunch, the Funky Phantom, um, the amazing Chan and the, Ch and the Chan clan. Um, let's see what else, what else do I really remember? Speed buggy, you know, from the early seventies. And then of course, super friends comes along. Um, Hong Kong Fooey was in there in the seventies. Valley of the dinosaurs. I don't remember Valley of the dinosaurs. Korg 70,000 BC. This looked like it was live action. Live action television series. Wow. Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch. I do remember Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch. It was kind of like a... He talked kind of like Speed Buggy in some ways. Um, Dino Mutt. The Dog Wonder. Yes. Of course. The Laugh Olympics. We all remember the Laugh Olympics. CB Bears. I vaguely remember those. Still in the 70s here. The all-new Popeye Hour. Man, Hanna-Barbera got some of this stuff. The Godzilla Power Hour. I remember Godzilla cartoon. And Godzuki. And then you get into the early 80s um, with some good stuff going on here. What We got anything cool in the early 80s? But see, by this time, who was doing... There was a 70s... Um, there, was a, there was a 70s Fantastic Four cartoon... And then in the 80s, you end up with the, um, I guess it was Deke who did the Spider-Man, His Amazing Friends, and the Incredible Hulk and all that stuff. But anyhow, gosh, Shirt Tales was early 80s. Shirt to tales but I don't think Shirt Tales was um, Hanna-Barbera. Hanna-Barbera was the Smurfs. They they did the U.S. Uh, adaption of the Smurfs. They did like your Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley. I think they did the Gary Coleman. They did do the Gary Coleman show. Here we go. They did the Dukes of Hazard cartoon. Uh, Rubik, the Amazing Cube. Um, did they do? They did all the Super Pet Friends stuff. Uh, yeah, and I can't. They didn't do. Okay, thank God they didn't do Turbo Team. One of the weirdest things they did. Snorks. Um, so yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> Nita's VHS about Steve getting canceled for using 80s TV show titles as slurs. Herculoids. Oh, for the love of Herculoids. Cleveland Gloop. I love the Herculoids, man. I always thought they were so cool. I thought that was just one of those cool things 
you know, that you that you get into. Thundar the Barbarian, that was, wasn't that? Let me get back here to the 80s. Wasn't Thundar the Barbarian, wasn't that Hanna-Barbera? I thought it was. It, I, I know that Bravestar was Filmation. Maybe Thundar was Filmation as well. Thundar the Barbarian, opening and closing theme. Here we go. Let's see. Ookla the Mock. October 4th, 1980. Thundar the Barbarian. This really, this has a... year 1994. Oh my gosh, not 1994. Man's civilization is cast in ruin. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old. A world of savagery, super science, and sorcery. But one man bursts his Yeah, this is definitely Hanna-Barbera. With his companions, Uplo the Mock and Princess Ariel, he pits his strength, his courage, and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil. Yeah, I don't know why, and it even does the the closing credits are kind of like a replay of the opening credits with just the music and not the um, not the not the voiceover stuff. But man, I don't know why that's not listed here in this particular Wikipedia article. Of course, Thundar the Barbarian. Man, I got to tell you something. This was, I mean, this is Saturday morning cartoon at its best. It looks like some of this stuff was actually rotoscoped animation. No, this was Ruby Spears, not... Okay, there it is. This was Ruby Spears, not Hanna-Barbera. So, there you go. That's <laughs> that's good stuff. Anyway, I, I gotta tell you something. Thunder was Ruby Spears. Thank you, John Phillips, but Hanna-Barbera has the rights now. Hanna-Barbera is... Weren't they swallowed up by Warner Brothers? Like, didn't... When, when, when all the Cartoon Network stuff and everything... How often does Thunder come up? Thunder, on this show, Shaz, you never know. You never know. Um, and on Patreon, you never know what may come up. So anyway, um, guys, it has been a fun time plugging your stuff and talking about uh, alongside Black... Of course, Black Star. But now Black Star was... Um, wasn't Black Star... That's Filmation. And Heavy Metal was not Hanna-Barbera. You're exactly right. Thanks, guys, for plugging your stuff at your email. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. We do have a lot to talk about and, and other geek stuff to geek out about. I, I wanted to come on, do a show, have some fun. I did have fun with everyone. I, I thank everyone for joining us in the chat and, and hanging out tonight as well at mixer.com slash Golaverse. Um, I, I thank you for emailing geekoutonline at gmail.com. Thanks for putting up with me playing Thunder the Barbarian and going through old Hanna-Barbera shows. I love old Hanna-Barbera shows again from the 60s and into the 70s. I, those captured my imagination as a kid when I'd see them on in syndication and reruns. And I I think they're worth trying to track down and watch some of that stuff. Just as Land of the Lost, I think, would be worth trying to track down and watch out. Someone said they're on NBC Universal. I hope that means they're on the NBC app because I'm going to check that out and see. Man, that got to be some weird stuff on there. Uh, look, I'd love to hear from you. Please email us and... And whatever you do, have fun with what you're doing when it comes to this stuff. 
there are a lot of people look i'm just gonna be let's just shoot straight here as we close out there are a lot of people who have a lot of agendas who try to take the things we love and 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 put their agendas on those things don't be so sold out to your agenda that you try to fight back just the best thing to do if something disappoints you or makes you sad don't watch don't give it your time vote with your wallet vote with your time and uh and maybe one day we'll be heard or don't try to force your agenda down people's throats you know i don't know i don't i don't want to come off as wishy-washy but i also know there's a better way than i think what's been done in fandom as of late and look i'm going to say something i didn't start it i didn't start calling people names or getting in people's faces but at some point someone has to be the adult about all this kid stuff right <laughs> thank you so much everyone for being a part of the geek out loud goloverse universe we you are the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe next time we'll do a dramatic reading of fantastic four 320 where the new thing fights the new hulk so grab a new coke and buckle up have a good one everyone we'll see you on the next geek out loud